Dennis Zerl, and this week we are brought to you by Abode Real Estate, your professional real estate advisors in Colorado Springs and Teller County, the historic Butte Theater in Cripple Creek, Colorado, bringing you the best productions in the United States, and Animus Wellbeing, your nutritional consultants in Woodland Park, Colorado. I certainly hope everyone's having a banner week. Lots of activities going on in Teller County at the moment because, of course, it's that time of year when you get to dress up in your favorite All Hallows regalia, help out your favorite dentist with their house or car payments, and, of course, we get to harness those little cubs as they bump around with uh, uncontrolled sugar rushes. So keep a sharp eye out there, Mom and Dad, and, of course, moderation and control is advised when allowing the injection of all that yummy high-fructose corn syrup. And, of course, that goes for the adults as well, because, admit it, we all know that you're either sneaking into your kid's Halloween candy or their stash, or you have a secret stash somewhere in the house so you can get that sugar fixed. Yeah, been there, done that. Well, we have a very important show lined up for you this week as we talk with Teller County Commissioner Eric Stone, who is coming into the Bear Cave studio today to discuss the con game called Proposition HH. And as I said before, this prop is a piece of S. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to get lied to anymore by little Gavin and his band of snake oil salesmen because the end game is really that they want to eliminate your Tabor refunds by outright lying to you and then using those funds to pay for those stupid social programs that they voted for. And guess what? You won't get any property tax relief as the Democrats would have you believe. So hopefully we'll be able to address that and perhaps some other issues. But uh, HH is our main focus today. Also joining us on the Bear Cave Hotline is our friend from the Teller County Sheriff's Office, Lieutenant Renee Bunting. And she is going to be reminding us about all those safety tips that help us enjoy the Halloween celebration when you're out and about raiding your neighbors. Yeah, getting all that uh, sugary goodness. Next week, it's our title sponsor from Abode Real Estate, Josh Dorsey, coming on to the Bear Cave Hotline with the latest in real estate news. And I've said this before, it's always an interesting and informative uh, segment and conversation, so looking forward to catching up with Josh. Then for our first show in November, we have Woodland Park Mayor Hillary Labar coming in for the Mayor's Corner, and we always look forward to talking with her about the latest issues facing Woodland Park. But before we get too far into the show, right now I have Teller County Clerk and Recorder Stephanie Keyes on the Bear Cave Hotline. Stephanie, how are you today? Oh, I'm hanging in there. How's that big bottle of Tylenol doing on your desk right now? Uh, I'm on my second one. <laughs> Should be good here in, in about uh, two weeks. We'll be good. Uh, holy smokes. But uh, okay, let's just cut right down the chase because there's been so many rumors and I'm sure that you've fielded multiple calls. And uh, in fact, when I posted the press release about the whole ballot issue, 
I was getting hate mail. I'm like, hey, dude, what are you yelling at me for? I didn't do this. In all seriousness, what, what's the bottom line? What what happened with the whole mess up? Just kind of explain it to us in a nutshell. Um, in a nutshell, basically, the um, I have to provide PDFs of our ballots to our print vendor. This is the first time we've use this print vendor. We had run back as a print vendor. They decided that they um, didn't want to do the smaller and medium counties anymore after they got bought out. So we were, uh, the small and medium counties had to find new printers. So this is our first time with this print vendor. I have to send them our ballot styles in PDF format. They will match up their ballot style with the ballot type and then print those. The vendor is supposed to match up the PDF number to the ballot type number, which they were one equals PDF one, ballot type two equals PDF two. And then for whatever reason, they used the property owner ballot for ballot type number seven. Oops. So... They had one through seven plus of the property owner ballot. And then we had ballot types one through seven. So they used the wrong PDF for that ballot style, all 15,812 ballots. Ooh. So that's how that came to be. Yeah. There's no conspiracies. There's no, you know, um, you hate this guy. He's out of office and people are blaming you for it. And, uh, you know, we knew right away because we actually reposted episode 113 where you were on there and did an awesome job talking about how the voting systems work and how everything goes. And uh, no, there's not a bunch of elves stuffing envelopes in the basement of your building. So. <laughs> Oh, no, and I, I want to make it clear this had nothing to do with Dominion. You know, this had nothing to do with anything other than a printer error. I mean, I don't want to say it was as simple as a printer error because I have lost many hours of sleep over this error. I bet you have. Uh, I'm not a person that likes to point fingers, but I'm trying to show the printer a little grace because we've all made mistakes. I will say they stepped right up within the hour of discovering this error. Error. They were, we were on the conference call with Secretary of State's office and they owned it. They said, this is on us. We're going to get ballots out. It's going to hit by the deadline, which was October 20th. We're going to make this right. And I would like to make it clear to all the voters, this did not cost the county a dime. The vendor ate all of this. They, the reprint, the postage, the vendor took responsibility for the whole error and made it right. As well they should. Yeah. So I've had a few calls, you know, about that, that, you know, shame on me because, you know, we're costing the taxpayers money. Well, I just want to make that clear that the county paid none of this replacement ballot cost, none. I would also like to, if I may, just some frequent questions that have been asked or for clarification. Is that okay? Absolutely. So I had somebody email me and want to know if all parties got the same ballots or if just one party didn't get the correct ballot. And I just want to remind everybody that coordinated elections are nonpartisan elections. Everybody gets the same ballot, you know, determined on where you live, not how you are affiliated. That's the next election in March, not this one. So I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, you're throwing all the dirt on the fun conspiracies now. You're just making sense. <laughs> it's it's a struggle. I mean, and I'm glad that people are paying attention. I'm not going to say her full name, but Barbara S. She is my friend. She's the first one that called and she was very gracious. 
you know, when I was having my panic attack and then I had to call her back because when she was explaining to me what was on her ballot, I mean, I, I, I just could not even breathe. I had to ask her, can I call you back? And I basically, I literally sat at my desk and sobbed and called the vendor uh. and called the secretary of state's office. So I just had my big ball baby because I knew this is, this is huge. It was a huge error. Yeah. It's going to be a huge undertaking. It's going to be a very slow, methodical process on how we are going to track the ballots that were returned to us. That are the ballots in error. It's going to be very slow. So I would just like to let everybody know right now, we will not, we will not have results on election night, period. We are not going to have them. It's going to take too long and I'm not rushing to get results. Election. You should. Yeah. Election night, I will put on the website how many ballots we have in house, how many ballots we have left to count. There will be preliminary results on election night reporting with the Secretary of State's office, but I am not going to have judges going to be here until two o'clock in the morning for a coordinated election. I want it to be perfect. I want everybody to know that the results that they get at the end of the counting are the correct results. So, you know, I have no doubt in my mind that everything's going to turn out just fine. In fact, when I got the ballot in the mail, I went, okay, something's not right about this, obviously. And uh, I wasn't panicking at all because I, I know you and I know the work that your office provides and it's always been excellent. So what we did is we simply reposted episode 113 and said, okay, listen to this. This kind of explains everything. But of course, people won't because they want to be angry and they want to be divisive and they want to you know, do all this kind of crazy stuff. But I happen to have a ballot right in my hand that I'm looking at right now. So it all worked out. And people, just pay attention. Look, if you don't want to mail in a, a ballot, then don't go vote in person. That is your right to do so. Anyway, I'm sure you got a large bottle of Jack Daniels waiting for you at home by the time all this stuff is done. You know? Or two. Yeah, or two. And, and along with the uh, Tylenol, you're going to come out of this okay. If anybody blames you, then they're just being foolish. Stuff happens. That's the bottom line. I have to say that the calls and emails, probably 95% of the calls and the emails that come into this office, whether it's to me or to anyone else in this office, has been calls of sympathy and empathy and, you know, oh, this is so bad this happened to you, but we're here for you. You know, let us know. Oh, we'll wait for our new ballot in the mail. I would say that the majority of the voters in the county have been really great. Yeah. I've been avoiding social media other than to put my press releases on there because I don't I don't want to see the negative. What happened is an unfortunate thing. Yeah. What's fortunate about it is it happened and was caught so early. We're able to put a plan in place so we can, you know, make sure that everybody gets to vote and that everybody's vote counts. Yeah. So you conspiracy theorists just go back down into your bunker, put on your helmet and just uh, just vote. Vote or vote in person. I mean, that's all I can say because it's, it's a very small few that I've seen have had these negative reactions. But you know how that snowballs? It just spins people up. But uh, look, everything's under control. Don't freak out. Stephanie's still a great clerk and recorder and your office is still doing a marvelous job. Everything's under control. I hear you. All right. Well, you know what? I really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy day to come and talk to us and kind of explain what was going on. And, uh, you know, some people are still going to go, oh, there's a conspiracy, this and that. And uh, those are the people I like to take on. So. 
you're having a bad day, just uh, let the bear cave handle it. Perfect. Yeah, we're used to it. All right, Stephanie, I appreciate you. I appreciate the hard work that you do. And, and uh, also that goes to your employees and everybody who works at the clerk and uh, recorder's office. Thank you so much for helping me get the word out. I'm trying to take all the avenues that I can. So I appreciate you. We appreciate you. So uh, no problem. We're here to serve. You have a great day and uh, it's all going to be fine. <laughs> It's going to be fine. You have a great day too, Dennis. Thank you. Okay. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Alrighty. Bye-bye now. That was the Teller County clerk and recorder, Stephanie Keese. And uh, look, folks, accidents happen. Things happen. It was a vendor error. So cut the lady some slack and get on with the business of voting. And before we head into the next segment or to the segment break, I just wanted to briefly talk about the shadow presidential candidate, governor of California, Gavin Newsom. <laughs> So Gavin took it upon himself to travel to Israel last weekend for what he called, quote, a trip of limited scope, end quote. Yeah, he spent all of uh, almost 10 hours there. What the hell does that even mean? A trip of limited scope. And honestly, what he really did was basically a PR trip to a hospital in Tel Aviv to visit injured civilians. He described the visit as a meeting with California citizens and their families while at a medical center. He said, quote, I listened to the grief and terror in a mother's voice as she spoke about her son, a Californian, being held hostage in Gaza, whose arm was blown off by a terrorist grenade, end quote. When reporters asked him about the visit and his meetings with Israeli leaders, one of which was uh, allegedly Benjamin Netanyahu and uh, the rest, who knows who they were. They were asking him about a potential ceasefire with Hamas, but then the questions went to asking about his ambitions of becoming president of the United States. He said, quote, I wish I was president of the United States. I could start doing all those things, end quote. So Slinky Boy Gavin is still trying to evade obvious questions, which is uh, about him running a shadow campaign for the presidency in 2024, which, of course, he is still rejecting as he is serving as one of Sniffy Joe's most high-profile surrogates for that re-election campaign. However, in my opinion, he still continues to fuel talk of such a campaign by wading into national and international issues, traveling to states across the country, and now getting ready to debate Governor Ron DeSantis in November. Yeah, can't wait for that circus. But now, even more than before, people are saying the Democrats may look to run Newsom at the last minute in 2024 for either president or vice president, or maybe even, dare I say it, Obama to replace Sniffy. Oh, God save us all. You know, at this point, nothing surprises me, but rest assured, this slicky boy and anti-Skeletor, for sure, have a plan to put Newsom in the seat no matter what it takes. <laughs> Hopefully, people will remember how he has single-handedly turned California into California with his uberly woke policy, which is basically bankrupting the state. And at the same time, the homeless population continues to grow and the taxpayers getting saddled with more unaffordable and unneeded social programs. Sound familiar there, Colorado? And now Slicky Boys in China talking about climate issues. Yeah, good luck with that one there, Calvin. But in the meantime, little Gavin of Colorado is taking a page right out of the California playbook. And that's what we are going to be discussing and more because when we come back, we'll be talking with Teller County Commissioner Eric Stone. You will definitely not want to miss this conversation. We'll be right back.
know, moving can be stressful. I know. I've moved 13 times in 20 years and I've lived in four different states. When it finally came time to move back to Colorado, Woodland Park and Teller County were our target locations. But before I moved back home, I was looking for a real estate broker who understood and had experience with military families and knew the area well. I found Abode Real Estate and Joshua Dorsey. I called Josh right away and it only took 35 days to not only find our forever home, but to close and move into it. Josh understood exactly what we were looking for because he's a common sense person and knows a good deal from a bad one. He'll make every effort to make sure you get the home that you absolutely want and love. As your real estate advisor, Josh will focus on client satisfaction. His business is about service and he's not happy until you're happy. Whether it's finding you a home, finding the best loan, or helping you get the most out of selling your home, Josh is there to guide you. So if you're considering a real estate professional, give Josh a call today at 719-433-4773 or email him at joshua at csabode.com. That's J-O-S-H-U-A at csabode.com. I'm confident that you will be completely satisfied. Cave Studio, and with me this week is my guest, Teller County Commissioner Eric Stone. Commissioner, welcome back to the Bear Cave. Hey, thank you, Dennis. Glad to be here. Yeah, I, I heard that you're uh, you're starting a second career as a stuntman. Not a stuntman, actually. I, I had an opportunity to audition as an aerialist, <laughs> and uh, which translates into I was crossing Platte Avenue in Colorado Springs, walking across the street. I was struck by a car, thrown into the air. Oh man! I did not stick the landing. Um, I got zero style points on the landing and, uh, got busted up pretty good, but, uh, thankfully nothing broken per se. I got some busted up ribs and, you know, my, a lot of soft tissue damage and it's going to be, uh, you know, a little while to, to get fully back in the saddle, but, uh, you know, I haven't, haven't missed a more than I missed one day of work. Yeah. You're <laughs> stunned. I had to go back in. You know what? I'm, I'm lucky. Yeah. Because most people that get hit by a car as a pedestrian don't get a joke about it. So I'm, yeah. I'm happy to be here joking about it. First of all, I'm glad that you took the time to come down and talk to us today because uh, we're going to discuss that. Uh, one of our favorite subjects that you and I agree on wholeheartedly with, I think, most of the community. And that's this, uh, I call it the con game, Proposition HH. And we talked a little bit about it last time you were here, but uh, I kind of figured we we're going to dive into it a little bit more uh, now that we're getting closer to the election. But uh, you've been working very hard against this proposition, as have some of my colleagues and myself. Let's try to explain what this shell game is all about. Okay. Well, where do you want to start? Um, <laughs> you know, we could start with the legislative session. We could start with two years ago when we all knew, at least when I say we as in elected officials knew, they knew in the legislature, we knew as county commissioners two years ago, back in 2021, that property valuations were spiking. They were spiking hard. And without the Gallagher Amendment to keep property taxes in check for residential properties, that there was going to be a corresponding spike to uh, property tax levies in 2024. So we worked together as commissioners. Uh, we reached out to Senator Mark Baisley and we looked at the law and discovered that we really didn't have the authority to grant temporary tax relief. We can grant permanent tax relief, but uh, I believe when we're looking at a spike in valuations and with the corresponding increase in interest rates, that those values are probably going to come back down. 
Yeah. And this is temporary. It might be a year or two. And as commissioners, we need flexibility to be able to give tax relief while not making a huge hole in the ground for future commissioners by doing just a knee jerk. Well, we got to lower taxes, which is true. We do have to lower taxes. But if two or three years from now, our market is normalized and these spikes have gone away, then the county's going to be in a very serious financial situation where they won't be able to pay employees and because somebody had a knee jerk reaction. So we planned ahead. We got Senate Bill 23108 passed. Uh, Mark Baisley put it through. And that is the only tool that local government needs to reduce property taxes and to give temporary tax relief for all of the residents of Teller County, for all of the residents of the state of Colorado. That's the only thing we need. The only thing it doesn't touch is uh, school property taxes because they have their own formula. Right. But for the rest of it, uh, we can handle this on a local level. It's local taxes and we can do it. And even though that bill was going through the legislature, and even though it didn't get a single no vote all the way through the legislature, and even though the governor ultimately, yes, did administratively sign that, they still were out there floating this idea that we had a, a property tax crisis. And, you know, the old adage out there about never let a good crisis go to waste, they saw it as yet another opportunity to go after TABOR, which is our Taxpayer Bill of Rights, part of our Constitution here in Colorado, and to essentially dismantle it. It would exist in words, but it wouldn't exist in reality, at least on the state level. Right. Because, of course, what they're trying to do doesn't eliminate TABOR in the state. It only eliminates TABOR for the state but not for local governments, not for local municipalities. I was uh, going through the blue book and I was reading all this kind of stuff. And then uh, I missed the debate. Well, kind of a fake debate the other night. And uh, I heard some excerpts from it. And uh, really, the governor wasn't really saying anything. He was kind of hedging around some of the some of the questions. And uh, some of that had to do with people who are renting, like an apartment or something like that. You're definitely in a lose-lose situation with this bill. Yeah, so let's break this down uh, as to what this really does. And, and let's start with Tabor, which is every time that the state grows faster than what Tabor says that it can grow, and it accrues more revenues than what Tabor says it can grow. And by the way, those Tabor limits are substantial. Our state government has grown dramatically, but it's even grown faster than what the Tabor limits are. And every time they do that, and you may recall last year that you got checks in the mail and the governor called it the Great Colorado Payback. Right. Well, that was his new name for something that has existed for decades, which is the Taxpayer Bill of Rights. They were required to send you your money back. It was This was not Christmas. The governor was not Santa Claus. This was your money returned to you because government had grown too fast. Well, government has continued to grow too fast. And this next year, and it's they're being really coy about what the numbers really are. And I think at that debate, they threw around this number. If you vote yes, you'll get $850. Here's the truth they leave out. If you vote no, you're going to get closer to $1,500 on average. Now, in the Tabor refund, it, it's done proportional to how much tax you pay in, which seems to be a very fair way to do it, which is why they set it up that way. What the governor and the legislature have tried to do is, well, they're, they're going to take you know, like half of your refund or half of the available refund money, and then they're going to send 850 checks to everybody so everybody gets the same amount. But then that which they take away, uh, they're going to use, quote, to backfill and fund education and do other things with. Um, but ultimately, it was your money. They're taking your money, taking half of it away, sliding it from your right pocket back into your left pocket and calling it tax relief, unless you're a renter. Right. Because if you're a renter, yeah, you get that $850 check back, but you're supposed to get $1,500 on average. And then what's left, though, for your landlord is, is that the actual property tax relief offered in HH, funded by your own tax dollars, is minimal. In the teens, 
of, of the amount of tax relief it'll give. And in Teller County, it's right about $2 million total tax relief for every taxing entity. And we will, as county commissioners, we're going to be refunding you more than $2 million, more than what HH would give you just in our portion of the tax bill alone. And I know there's other taxing districts throughout the county that are looking really hard at their budgets and have taken you know, a message that we brought to them, which is, hey, this is tough times for our people right now. Budget to need, not to this massive increase in revenue. And you know, if everybody pitches in some and we get the tax relief we need on the local level. And so I know a lot of the local districts are having that discussion uh, and each of them have to make up you know, their decisions for themselves because some of them who needed more revenue didn't ask for a tax increase because they knew valuations were going up. Well, maybe they can make a good case for why they need to keep more, but that doesn't necessarily mean they need to keep all. What are the opinions of some of the other counties that, because uh, obviously you've been talking to commissioners from around the state as well. Right. We belong to an organization called Colorado Counties Incorporated, and that is all the counties in the state, uh, 64 counties. I believe 59 of them belong to CCI, and uh, they have voted to oppose it. Uh, They have voted to oppose Prop HH because they believe that property taxes are a local issue solved on a local level. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, the Colorado Municipal League, which is the association of the literally thousands of municipalities across Colorado and the Special Districts Association, thousands of districts across the state of Colorado, all have come out against HH, even though HH includes a provision, quote, where our budgets are backfilled. And I'm not sure how you backfill revenue that you may not need. And again, I'm using very careful language here because there may be some special districts, fire districts, whatever, that they may have a really specific need that they'd been planning for. They knew this valuation was coming. They didn't ask for a tax increase because that would be kind of like double dipping to go ask for a tax increase and then get this property uh, valuation spike. So, you know, I think we've got a lot of good people on boards throughout the county. They're all, they're going to look at their budgets and do the right thing. So I don't have a lot of concerns there. Um, But uh, all of these groups together have come out to oppose Prop HH. And if you look at actually supporting HH, you know, it's, uh, it's like public employee unions and I'm, and I'm not a, I'm not here today to say, well, I'm a huge anti-union guy. Right. I believe unions have their place uh, in certain places and that it's not even the discussion today, but it's kind of people that are in real tight with the government are for this. Uh, AARP is for it. They're real tight because there's a small piece of it that's a benefit that we've been fighting for for years for seniors, which the legislature will only give you as a morsel of ransom included as part of HH. But those that are supporting it, they can't really give you a good reason of why to support it other than they say, well, it's property tax relief. And well, sort of, but it doesn't last very long. And ultimately you are sacrificing your Tabor refunds forever because here's the, here's the key part of, well, of there's no accountability either. That's the other thing that, that kind of uh, struck me is that uh, you're kind of giving a blank check to the legislature to do what they want with that money. Yeah. And, and when you think about it, and I've said this before to a lot of people when I've talked about HH is, have you ever before, do you ever recall having to go and vote for a, a tax reduction? No. Right. You go and vote for a tax increase. That's what Tabor says. We vote for tax increases. So why is HH a tax increase? Even though they say that it's a property tax decrease, the reason that it is, is because buried within this huge monstrosity of, uh, of an initiative, it says that the state may grow its revenues by 1% per year forever. Yeah. Now it doesn't sound like very much 1% per year, but 1% and then 1% of 1% the next year is actually 1.1%. And, you know, so this is compounding as it grows, but what you're essentially telling them is, well, if you can increase spending is what you're actually saying is you are decreasing refunds and we're keeping that money 
and we will spend that money. And then they claim they will spend it on education. Uh, we all know what happens when money gets to the general fund. It's, you know, you can earmark a billion dollars over here, but you can also leak 200 million out the bottom and say, well, we, yeah, we definitely put 200. We definitely did that. We said we, we did our billion, but but played a shell game and we moved 200 million out the other end. So it didn't actually increase. Well, it's the, the unending social programs, the, the amount of social programs that got passed in the legislature last year was stunning. If you're in Denver, it pays to be homeless. You know, and a lot of this, when you look at, I mean, some of it is local money and, you know, it's Denver, it's, you know, city of Denver or city of Aurora. Um, and there certainly are a lot of social programs and they, and some of them really are growing. A lot of them, you know, especially in relationship to, frankly, they put a lot of criminals back on the streets and those criminals that they put back on the streets, they have programs for them and they got to pay for those programs. So that's part of it. I mean, it's, it's really broad and wide as to what they might spend it on. Well, housing is another issue. I know that, uh. That'll be another show where we can talk about condos and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's something else we're working on this year. It'll be interesting to talk about as we get closer to the legislature. But uh, but yeah, back on HH, though, they allow the state government to grow forever. And basically, we don't get Tabor refunds every year. We only get Tabor refunds when government grows too fast. Right. So, but what they're saying is the government can continuously grow, even if revenues haven't grown per se. And so thus, when we get a watershed year where we have a lot of revenue, you know, they've been banking all these increases from year to year, and you'll no longer get a Tabor refund. You are voting to give away your Tabor refund in the future is really what this entire piece is about. It's funny because, uh, you know, we live in such a small county and we're, it's almost like we're up against Denver metro area. There's a million plus people that are going to be able to vote there. And coming from a, the second largest city in the United States, I know how people just kind of walk around just uh, aimlessly and just go, oh, okay, you know, it's, it's like being an ant in that farm. And that's the thing that scares me the most is that people are just going to go with the flow and not really look into this proposition. The most troubling thing about it, and I wish the Supreme Court would have done something, but they, they frankly, they, they took a pass and said, well, it's not law. We can't rule right. on it because it's not law. So until the voters vote, we can't rule on whether or not what has been placed in front of this is unconstitutional. It's blatantly unconstitutional what they're doing. They're combining titles. You're only on an initiative. You're supposed to have one issue, one title. That's the rule. That's matter of fact, that's the law. That's the constitution. But what they're saying is, is, well, it doesn't violate the title uh, law because it hasn't become law. Oh, how convenient. So they get, so they gave it a pass. But uh, as we talked about today, this, this law does tons of stuff. It, it adjusts the valuation of homes. It increases spending for the state, increasing taxes. It provides a backfill account for special districts, local governments, and uh, counties. Uh, you know, it does lots of stuff. It funds education. It, all this stuff is packed into there. Well, what happened to one title, one law? This, this does lots of stuff. And unfortunately, and if you've read your blue book, you're probably more confused after reading it because it's eight pages. It was confusing. Dedicated to HH. And in my opinion, they are banking on her sentence was shall property tax taxes be reduced. Well, of course, everybody wants property taxes to be reduced. Right. The reason I'm on your show today is let everyone in Teller County know, and maybe folks in Park County or other, uh, other areas of Colorado listen to your podcast, know that you do not have to vote to get property tax relief because property tax relief is already on the way. It's already happening. We published our budget in the county and the revenue that we put in our published budget. Now it's not an official budget, so it hasn't been passed, but the revenue we put in our proposed budget after giving back more than $2 million in refunds back to our residents. That doesn't include all the special districts. That doesn't include municipalities. You know, that doesn't include any other taxing authority at, 
that's out there that can do this. So it's going to be more than that. I can guarantee you. What I really like lately, you see the fluffy commercials with the puppies and the goldfish and all this other kind of stuff talking about well, how yeah. great life is going to be if you pass all this kind of stuff. You know, it's really true. The devil is in the details. And uh, this is one devil of a proposition, if, pardon the pun. Yeah. We've always been defending Tabor. Um, Absolutely. You know, the Democrat Party. Uh, and it's not to make the enemies. I have friends in the Democrat Party in Denver I work well with that, that have helped me this last legislative session. And not all of them are in support of HH. A lot of them are really quiet about it because they don't want their, right. their people in their in their party to call them out. But, uh, you know, a lot of them don't like it. But the reality on the front range as people walk around up there is they really don't understand what this thing does. Now, all they look at is, they, well, it reduces property tax. And if you're a renter, well, great. That probably means my rent's going down, right? Uh, nope. It's the exact opposite. Yeah, not so much. Yeah, not so much. You know, there's a lot of counties around the state that are going to be returning money because this is a local issue that we can solve on the local level. I agree. It's just kind of the the way of the world or the way of the United States these days because, uh, you know, in my opinion, we have this lacking leadership that's going on right now and it's becoming more evident. You know, we were kidding around before. It's like, we're on the verge of World War III right now. We're, we're paying more attention to uh, school board <laughs> elections and things like that. Right now, you know, we're certainly distracted by Ukraine. We're certainly distracted by uh, what's going on in Israel. Certainly distracted by the economy. We're, you know, we're distracted by, you know, things that happen to us on a daily basis. And then they put this little innocuous thing in an off general election year that just says, hey, do you want property taxes to decrease? Oh, and by the way, uh, if you really investigate it, they're not actually going to decrease uh, very much and we're going to take your refunds to do it. And uh, oh, and by the way, renters, as you said earlier, you're going to get a double whammy because your rents are going to go up and you're going to lose your refund. So, you know, devilers certainly are in the details, but all the distraction keeps people away from learning the details. So uh, that's why I'm here today and why we've been so vocal or tried to be vocal with community groups out there and in the newspaper about Prop HH, why it's a bad deal why it doesn't do what it says it's going to do and to not worry about that massive spike because what your local county commissioners are going to do for you is greater than what HH could do in its entirety. Absolutely. And there's going to be so many more districts out there I'm fully confident of. And the thing is, a lot of these districts, they have they have a small mill levy and it's a small little piece of your bill. But again, if everybody gives a little bit, you know, if one district gives, you know, $100 back, if, you know, county gives hundreds of dollars back, well, it all adds up. You know, it's just like putting marbles into a jar. Eventually that jar starts to fill up. Hey, maybe. Maybe we need to build a border wall. <laughs> you know, back during the pandemic, uh, somebody <laughs> brought that up, but uh, never materialized, but it, but it was an idea, most certainly. I appreciate you taking the time to come down today because I know you have a very busy schedule, but to uh, stop by and, and talk about this very important issue and hopefully the voters will listen and they will go out at least vote. That That's a step in the right direction, but please vote no on HH. 100%. And actually, if you'll allow me, Dennis, um, I want to take about 30 seconds and just give you the quick, here's here's why no on Prop HH. Absolutely. So Prop HH takes your tax refund from the Taxpayer Bill of Rights out of your right pocket, rips that bill in half, puts the other half back in your left pocket. And they take the, the half that they ripped off and they send that to local government, which doesn't need it. That's number one. Then they marginally reduce the value of your home to say that there's property tax decreases happening, but it phases out. And this is one detail we didn't mention. It phases out as soon as the valuations of homes go up only 20%. And then that the backfill provision just goes away and the state keeps all the money. And then part three is they increase the spending limits on the state government by 1% every year. And they fund that with your ongoing Tabor tax refunds. And that's why this should be a hard no for everybody. 
All right. I hope everybody pays attention to uh, what we're just talking about. Commissioner Eric Stone, thanks for coming by today. And uh, we hope to see you again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate coming in. When legislature gets going, I know we're going to have a lot of stuff to talk about. Yes, we will. Coming up next is Storytime with Michelle, followed by the big news with our field producer, Trevor Phipps. Don't go away. Are you tired of gambling? Or maybe gambling just isn't your thing? Then you need to come visit the historic Butte Theater, located in the heart of Cripple Creek, Colorado. Enjoy our classic melodramas, Shakespeare of the West, musicals, comedies, and our community's favorite Christmas show. The Butte is fun for the whole family, so get your tickets today at thebuttetheater.com and come join in our fun. the bear cave halloween show and right now it's story time with michelle on the bear cave hotline hey michelle how are you i'm good all day (laughs) so far yeah yeah hey uh congratulations (laughs) on the uh high tea that was fun and a nice turnout and good food and rave reviews Thank you. So glad you got to come up and join us. Uh, we had a blast. I mean, the culinary department did a phenomenal job. It was just the uh, teacher and one of her students. They served us at each table individually. Is super classy. <laughs> and everybody said they had a really good time. I like teachers like her because they really care. They go above and beyond. And I can't remember the student's name, but a nice young man, definitely interested in the culinary arts. And uh, yeah, they did a great job. And uh, it was funny because I posted some pictures in the bear cave and uh one of my old friends goes uh hey you and your wife look really good and i'm like uh not christy i said i don't know about me but my producing partner in capital letters looks pretty festive so anyway uh, it was fun it was fun and like i said you know i went around i talked to every table and got some more suggestions and things and and they're already excited that we want to do it again next year so it'll just grow from there yeah i think it was a blast but uh anyway work wife what do you got this week for story time <laughs> well since we're still in the halloween mode i had to go and you know i was thinking well we covered the cats we covered witches and i thought pumpkins and jack-o'-lanterns because we have like 10 of them to freaking carve <laughs> I thought, okay, oh what started this whole thing? Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to talk about how the jack-o'-lantern came around. All right. Well, let's talk about old Jack. Okay. The name jack-o'-lantern comes from an Irish folktale about a man named Stingy Jack. According to the story, Stingy Jack invited the devil to have a drink with him. True to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink, so he convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack had used to buy their drinks. Once the devil did so, Jack decided to keep the money and put it into his pocket next to a silver cross, which prevented the devil from changing back into his original form. Oh. This sounds like so far out there. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like Proposition <laughs> HH. Uh-oh. <laughs> 
Oh, shoot. Except it's stingy Gavin instead, so. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so Jack eventually freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year and that, should Jack die, he would not claim his soul. The next year, Jack again tricked the devil into climbing into a tree to pick a piece of fruit. While he was up in the tree, Jack carved a sign of the cross into the tree's bark so the devil could not come down until the devil promised Jack not to bother him for 10 more years. This guy hangs out with the devil a lot. Yeah, I kind of like the guy, you know. He's, uh... <laughs> Hey, trick the devil. Right. <laughs> so soon afterwards, Jack did die. And as legend goes, God would not allow him being such an unsavory figure into heaven. The devil, upset by the trick Jack had played on him and keeping his word not to claim his soul, would not allow Jack into hell. So he sent Jack off into the dark night with only a burning coal to light his way. Jack put the coal into a carved out turnip and has been roaming the earth with it ever since. The Irish became to refer for this ghostly figure as Jack of the Lantern and then simply Jack O'Lantern. What the wait? What? Well, then how come we're not carving turnips instead? Well, so back in the day, pumpkins weren't that popular, but they always had turnips and potatoes and things like that. So those were definitely items that they were carving at that time. Different vegetables that were more commonly available. Yeah, plus you got to eat those turnips and those potatoes anyway. But uh, I do know people right. who eat pumpkin. It's, uh, it's actually quite delicious. Oh, okay, you can have all of mine. <laughs> Look at it this way. It's just a big, gigantic, round squash. That's kind of what yeah, it is. No, but... it's totally different. It's totally different. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> so, in conclusion, in Ireland and Scotland, people began to make their own versions of Jack's lanterns by carving scary faces into turnips and placing them into windows or near doors to frighten away stingy Jack and other wandering evil spirits. In England, large beets are used and immigrants from these countries brought their vegetable carving traditions with them when they came to the United States, helping change American pumpkin carving from a general autumn pastime to one uniquely associated with Halloween. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? Yeah. I had never heard of the story of Stingy Jack, but you're right. Pretty clever dude to trick the devil twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Devil needs to get an agent from now on. Huh, what an interesting story. Yeah, I always wondered. Okay. So here's the question. If the jack-o'-lantern is supposed to scare people away, it's not working very well. Yeah, right? Yeah. Well, so then people got into all the friendly jack-o'-lantern carvings and stuff like that. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm dressed as Snow White for Halloween. Exactly. Get out of here, kid. So it originated in Ireland and Scotland, and I thought that was pretty interesting because I'd never heard of Stingy Jack. I thought that was worth sharing because we're all going to be carving pumpkins here in the next few days because yeah. we've got the big holiday coming up. That's right. Truck or treat. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. be bitter. Uh, I am bitter. I am. It's just ruined it for me. Completely ruined my Halloween by truck or treat. Oh, yeah, shoot. days have changed. It's not like it used to be, you know? Right, right. No, I mean, I, I get it. It's easy to take, you know, your kids to one spot and, and be done with it, but it just takes the fun out of it, I think. Yeah, is it too soon to say bah humbug? Yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> wow, great story, for sure. I like it. 
Good. Well, I know that uh, Victor and Cripple Creek probably have some Halloween activities going on. What you got going? Definitely. So um, the Parks and Rec Department for Cripple Creek is actually having their trunk or treat on Halloween. So um, it's free to, to whoever shows up. They anticipate usually around 300 kids. Wow. That's a, Yeah, that's a pretty big count. And then we've got uh, the Victor Hotel and they're having a Halloween costume party on Saturday the 21st. Oh. So that's from 3 to 8 p.m. It's free and they're going to have games, costume, contest, potluck and so it's a good free family event. So that'll be plenty to keep everybody busy up here. I would say so. In between uh, high teas and truck or treats and all that kind of stuff, there's uh, plenty of activities to help you along your way with your All Hallows Eve events, I suppose. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if you can't find enough down there to do, you know, in Woodland Park or whatever other communities come up here because it's kind of cool to come up here anyway. It's still gorgeous. You know, the weather's been so beautiful. Plus, we're one of the most haunted cities in the United States. Hmm. That's what people keep telling me. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, It's still goose eggs (laughs) for me, but I know. I gotta gotta make that commitment and someday try to find some of those fellers and or ladies at the uh, jail museum, which is still open, by the way, right? Yes, it is. Yep. We're still open seven days a week from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Heritage Center's open seven days a week. Um, A lot of the other museums are only open on the weekends, but hey, that's a great time to come up too. So come up and check everybody out. The train is closed for the season. The Molly Kathleen's closed for the season, but all the museums are open. So come and check it out. And before I forget, uh, the Butte Theater has The Legend of Sleepy Hollow going on. It runs through November 4th. So oh, wow. there's another reason to come and check out up here. We'll keep you plenty busy. Wow, it sounds good. You know, I, I missed that last year, and I know it was a really good play, and people love it. So maybe I can sneak out this weekend and get up there and see it. I know. I've been awful. I have not seen any of the shows, and I've been reprimanded many times. So I need to get out there and see one. <laughs> yeah, way to go, Michelle. I know, loser. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's kind of harsh, but uh, okay, we'll take it. (laughs) Just get up here and have some fun. All right, and before we go... As always, be safe, especially with um, Halloween coming up. There's a lot of events going on this weekend for those kiddos, so pay attention. Be safe and have fun. Be, Be good to the kids. Make sure they have a memorable Halloween in a good way. Yeah, and adults, I know it's party time, but don't drink and drive, don't smoke and drive, don't do any of that kind of stuff. Just uh, call an Uber or something. Call a donkey. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. We've got donkeys for rent. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wish. Disclaimer. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, man. Well, last thing, vote. Hell yes. I'm going to keep pushing that until the election's over. So once you get those new ballots, please, please, please vote. I just happen to have one in my hand right now. Excellent. So neener, neener there, conspiracy theorists. The ballots came. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Get out there and vote. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Michelle. Great story. And uh, I can't wait to talk to you next week. Sounds good. We will talk to you then. Okay, Michelle. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye now. That was Michelle Roselle calling us from Haunted Cripple Creek. But up next on the Bear Cave Hotline is the big news with our field producer, Trevor Phipps. Hey, Trevor, are you uh, sick of election stuff yet? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for this to be over. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting getting out of hand. I mean, it's well, it's it's it is. It's crazy. It wasn't anybody's fault, but it's just it's sad that 
during one of the most heated elections has got national attention for the first time ever for Little Wickham Park that we have a silly mistake that people are making huge mountains out of a molehill. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, you know, it's unfortunate because uh, a vendor hit a wrong key on a computer somewhere, you know, starts all this stuff. But yeah, uh, it's like mistakes happen. <laughs> but it's like this weird snowball effect because it's not only that, but it's, it's the uh, the last minute jousting and campaigning done by both sides who are running for a school board. My God, we are sitting on the verge yeah. of World War Three right now. And people act like the school board is is like uh, the end all be all of the entire United States. <laughs> yeah. It's it's yeah, the, you, you, oh my like god! He donated to Red Cross in 1992, and Red Cross is a liberal <laughs> organization. <laughs> You shouldn't vote for them. (laughs) I'm telling you, the stuff that is flying out of people's pie holes right now is just, it's mind boggling. And I think everybody is sick. And I said this before, and I I said this on uh, on Helldor. Yep, I went on there. I just had to post it. If your intent is to get a bunch of people to leave parties and become unaffiliated voters, mission accomplished. Because I've seen online about at least a half a dozen people that just said, I am done with this stuff. I'm sick of it. But, oh, my God, I've never seen anything like this in my life. And it's just uh, it's out of control, dude. Well, the problem is, as much as we want it to be over, I don't think it will be. I've heard from multiple sources that no matter which way it happens, either side is going to lawyer up, force recounts and skew and lawsuits. Of course. I've heard rumors that both sides have already lawyered up. Oh, there's no question about it. And the thing is, is that with the thousands upon thousands of dollars that have been spent on this campaign, not one penny of that is going to go to the students. We're the students in all this. It's all ego and it's ridiculous. But uh, by now, everybody should have gotten their ballots in the mail. There's, you know, the end of the world hasn't happened. You know, Hamas is not hiding out in Teller County. But uh, there are some ordinances that are coming up and there are some things that are happening. And, uh, you know, we had Commissioner Eric Stone on earlier talking about HH. Uh, what is the big news for you this week? I think probably the big news is the ballot question 7A. You know, and it was kind of weird. I didn't even hear about it or know about it until the error was made with the elections because the error was only that ballot questions on the ballot. Yeah, me neither. And I, so I hadn't really even heard about it. Me neither. So I met with uh, Tim Deans, the executive director of UPass Regional Health Services District, and kind of talked to him about, you know, why they need it and what they're asking for. So basically what it wants from the voters is it wants to approve a 1% sales tax increase. So I think right now that the ambulance already gets like a half a percent. So they're wanting to raise it by 1%. So they get one and a half percent of sales tax from the entire district, which I believe it runs all the way from like Green Mountain Falls to like Florida. And then you get to Cripple Creek and Victor and they're on their own. Yeah. But yeah, basically it's a way because they threw some stats out here that 36% of ambulances are actually consumed by visitors, people that don't live in the area, but they're only paying like 30% of their charges. So this is a way to where the visitors are coming in and they stop and get gas, they stop and get, you know, items at Walmart and stuff like that. Then they're paying towards ambulance services that they use at an increasing rate. And then the other thing that he pointed out was the fact that since ambulance doesn't go through the city when it comes to state sales tax, the state actually collects their sales tax 
and then distributes to the ambulance. So the state doesn't tax medications or groceries. So local residents won't have to pay more taxes on their groceries or on prescription medications, which are key to people that are on fixed incomes. And then another thing he brought up was the fact that, you know, the, the people that use the ambulance services the most are the people that are least insured, that their insurance pays least. So like Medicare, Medicaid, and uninsured people, they're basically losing money because of average ambulance ride costs about $2,600, but Medicare is only reimburses them about like $450 to $480. That is Medicaid and Medicare. That's just that it goes yeah. along with the turf. I mean, doctors, you know, dentists, anybody who's in, maybe not dentists, but doctors for sure. You know, that's a risk that you take when you run a service like that. Well, it says they, they've lost $2.1 million just this year alone and $15.1 million since 2009. The loss is incurred by uninsured people, Medicare and Medicaid people. Well, it, it is a business that you're trying to run. I, I get that. I understand that. But I also understand, too, is that they're making people take some ambulance taxi runs, I call them, that are non-emergency runs that, look, if I get sick, I don't need a doctor saying you have to take this ambulance down there and it's going to cost me 2600 bucks. When I can have a neighbor or a family member do the same thing, you know, so that's, that's, that's a little, that kind of sticks in my craw just a little bit, but uh, I don't know. Well, the other thing too, that he brought up was the fact that they have a 60% concurrent call rate. So what that means is 60% of the time when one ambulance is out, you're going to get another call for another ambulance. Yeah, I can see that. So the way he said it, he's like, when it rains, it pours. When it's dry, there's a drought. And so he was saying, you'd be surprised how many times there actually isn't an ambulance available because all the calls come at once. I get that. And then we have the normal, you know, like everybody, they're having trouble attracting first responders because one of the lingering effects of COVID is actually hospitals are hiring paramedics and they're giving them better pay. They're giving them a better schedule. So they're losing a lot of their certified people to other agencies and to hospitals. So it's getting harder and harder to retain employees. And then also like their vehicle costs and gas costs and all that is climbing too. So that's basically what they want to use it for. And then another thing Tim said was that um, he wants to add with this increase, which is expected to be about $2.2 million a year for the ambulance. And he's going to build another substation in Divide and add another ambulance to Divide. Because right now there's two in Woodland Park and one in Florissant. So that kind of leaves the whole island of Divide without an ambulance that can get fast response times. Right. So they kind of want to fill in the gap there. Probably the last thing to point out is they're saying that if this passes, then the district won't raise the taxes with our raising property valuations. Because when um, Senate Bill 23108 was passed, it allows local government entities and taxing authorities to temporarily lower the mill levy rates to make up for it. So all the money that they would get because of the increased property valuations, they're going to give back through a temporary mill levy rate decrease if this passes. Can we get that signed in blood? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't think anybody trusts anything anymore. But, uh, you know, yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it was one of those kind of things that slid under the radar and uh, kind of slick the way they did that. And I'm not saying that it's, it's dirty politics or anything like that. I'm just saying it was uh, huh, good timing, I guess. But anytime I see a tax increase and, you know, I, you know, I, I kind of cringe a little bit. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And uh, the bottom line is, is that whichever way you vote, make sure that you vote. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, exactly. uh, kind of falls in line with what we've been talking about with Commissioner Stone today, too, because it is that time to get out and vote. And uh, your vote does matter. So don't be apathetic, especially you, Cripple Creek. You didn't have a great showing last time. So 
we're encouraging you to get out there. But uh, yeah, good story. Trevor, appreciate you doing that. But in the meantime, we've got some good news on the sports side of the house with the Woodland Park Panthers, right? Yeah, um, the boys' soccer team ended up being good enough. They won their last game against Slide App, losing two in a row, and they qualified for playoffs, and they actually qualified high enough in the ranks to host their own playoff game for the first time in school history. So not only did they finish with the best record they've ever had in school history, they earned the right to host a playoff game. That is awesome. Congratulations to those guys. That's a, that's a monumental achievement. Way to go. Yeah, for sure. And then the, the Panthers won a big game last week against Lamar. They beat Lamar 49-13. Oh, wow. They were on the uh, giving end instead of the receiving end this time. That's awesome as well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was 42-7 to at halftime, so they ended up pulling a lot of players and letting some of the younger guys play. Great news this week. And while we're on the football subject, your alma mater has a big game this weekend as well, right? Yeah, they do. CSU facing off against Air Force at home this Saturday. CSU barely lost against UNLV, and um, Air Force is still 7-0. They beat Navy. And they're creeping up in the polls because I think they're number 17 right now. Yeah, they were 22 before the Navy game, and I think they jumped up. Well, you know what, man? I'm going to go with CSU. I'm going to say CSU is going to pull the upset this weekend. Yeah, when I wrote the thing for the newspaper article, that's kind of what I came up with as well. I'm hoping they they do good. That cheer me up after a rough week. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. You have an awesome day, and I'll uh, talk to you soon. All right, have a good one. That was our field producer, Trevor Phipps, with the big news. And coming up next, it is Lieutenant Renee Bunting from the Teller County Sheriff's Office. News of the weird and find out who gets thrown onto the zombie pile this week. So stick around. By making gradual changes in your life, you can achieve your goals. Perhaps it's a change in your diet, losing a few pounds, or reducing stress. You can always improve your health. If you want to explore ideas on how to achieve a more mindful and healthier way of life, then you've come to the right place. Animus Wellbeing in Woodland Park, Colorado offers nutritional consultations. We work with you to design a program that fits your specific needs to help you enjoy a better quality of life. So check us out at animuswellbeing.com. That's A-N-I-M-A-S-W-E-L-L-B-E-I-N-G.com. Or call us at 818-400-1456. Let us help you to achieve a life of optimal well-being. back to the Bear Cave. I'm Dennis Zerl, and right now on the Bear Cave Hotline, it's our friend from the Teller County Sheriff's Office, Lieutenant Renee Bunting. Hi, Renee. How are you? Hey, Dennis. I'm great. How are you? And it's great to be back. I've missed you. Yeah. Well, I'm going to be a lot better after November 7th when all these elections are over with, you know, only so we can start (laughs) another cycle of insanity, you know? There you go. I'm ready. I'm ready for the election to be over and move forward. I'm ready for Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh, wow. Wait a minute. That is coming up soon. 
soon, isn't it? It's it's coming up. It's coming up. But hey, but you know, there's so much going on before Thanksgiving. You know, we have the big the Veterans Day event that they have at the school and the yeah. dinner that they have with the vets and just so much happening in Woodland Park. I know. But what we're going to talk about today is uh, it's that time again and uh, the spooky season. But we want people to be safe and be smart. So sure. who are we going to call? We call the experts from the TCSO. What should we be aware of, Renee? Well, the biggest thing is I always tell the people when they go out uh, trick-or-treating not to let the kids go alone, you know. Go with their big brother and sister or stay in a group. Go with their neighbors and their friends just so they're not going out there alone. Because, you know, it is dark and, you know, you got to be careful. Make sure they have, you know, flashlights or reflective tape. Um, Sometimes just putting reflective tape on their little uh, trick-or-treat bag, you know, that helps. But the biggest thing is not to eat any of their treats until they get home and mom and dad have checked everything out to make sure it's safe. That's Um, right. You know, these streets too, there's not a lot of lighting. And so the biggest thing is they need to remember, you know, go to the end and cross the streets. And when they do, look both ways and stay on those sidewalks. You know, you don't want to cross people's yards. Yeah, we can't assume that drivers see us, you know, because uh, like you said, it is very, very dark in uh, Mm -hmm. just Teller County in general. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and a lot of people, you know, they'll, the parents, they'll stay in the car and drop the kids off. But even then, you know, they're pulling out to get back on the roads and kids aren't always watching because they'll say, well, that car was just stopped a second ago, so I'm going to run in front of it. And we just want to be careful and, you know, don't go to any houses that don't have the lights on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need to take the cell phones away from parents for one night. <laughs> That's right. Stay off the phone. Stay off the phone. Walk your kid to the door for crying out loud. <laughs> Well, you know, I don't know if you've seen it. I've been driving around in some of these houses and they look kind of scary. Even when I was a kid, our neighbors didn't really do scary, but it was more fun. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of scary houses out. They have those big skeletons in the yard and the mummies that move. And oh my gosh, that's kind of eerie. Then they have campaign signs in their front yard. That's scary. <laughs> Just saying. Okay. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> but besides Halloween, I know that you know there is so much to do in Woodland Park. And I mean, like just starting on Friday, this Friday, you know, um, they have the trick-or-treating in Memorial Park on Friday. And I think that's from 3.30 to 5. And they're also having cornhole over there at the Cultural Center. But I believe you have to pay for that. And uh, on Saturday, they have a great event. And it's so much fun because you can dress up your your dogs and take them to the park in the park. Uh, That's out at Golden uh, Meadows and the dog park from 1 to 3 on Saturday. Oh, that's cool. Uh, Yeah, I think it's just great. And on Saturday, the library from 10 to noon... They have a trunk or treat. So that'll be a lot of fun over there. So I think people really need to check that out. I was going to tell you that Four Mile Fire, you know, they always have a big to-do out there. They have the, um, it's like a, a haunted house and they have a concession stands. Wow. And that's a trunk or treat event. And that's on Saturday and that starts at 6 p.m. Yo, I love hunts and, and spook alleys and stuff like that. Unfortunately, we're going to be dark this year because uh, those, right. trunk, those trunk or treats are taking all my customers away. But. Well, I know you just went to that, uh, the tea up there in Cripple Creek. I did. Well, the culinary group, uh, they're having an event on Tuesday, October 31st from 7 to 9 p.m. up at Cripple Creek. And that's going to be fun because they have a haunted mansion of mystery. What? <laughs> I know. See, there's so much to do. It's like, you. I mean, it's just great. You don't even have to go trick-or-treating. Wow. 
Man, I wonder if I can dress up like a minion or something and grab some of that candy and help my dentist pay for that new Porsche. There you go. There you go. And you know what I always say? Even if you have older kids that come to the door trick-or-treating, I always give them stuff because you know what? I think it's great that they're out there and they're not causing trouble somewhere. So yeah, uh, give, them a, give them a treat. Give them a treat so they don't play any trick on your house. Well, you know, they are in that age where they're a little bit mischievous, you know, so... Uh, <laughs> No, it keeps them out of trouble. Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. for sure. So anyway, lots to do. Uh, just be careful. Stay safe. Don't go out by yourself. Um, make sure people can see you. And you know, I was going to tell you another thing was, um, I remember my son, when he was little, we would get him ready for a Halloween and put that, you know, that face makeup on. And yeah. then, of course, you don't test it. You put it on that night and then they end up breaking out with a rash or whatever. <laughs> so I would always t- test a little bit on your skin before you go all crazy and decorate their whole face. <laughs> I told you to take that mask off. Oh, wait a minute. That's not a mask. That's right. Some kind of flesh eating disease from the makeup last night. <laughs> exactly. Well, that's exactly. Not good. Oh. All right, well, Dennis, Ray. it's always great talking to you. I hope you're doing well. Please give my best to Michelle. And hey, you guys take care and I hope to see you real soon. I will. And I appreciate you taking the time to come in because uh, people overlook these simple rules and tips. Sure. And uh, we want to make sure everybody's safe and uh, not making calls to TCSO that night. <laughs> well, they can call us anytime. We're here 24 hours a day. So no worries. There you go. All right, Renee, I really appreciate it. You have a great day and we'll talk to you soon. You as well. And happy Halloween. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was our friend, Lieutenant Renee Bunting from the Teller County Sheriff's Office. But right now it's once again time for News of the Weird. This week, the headline reads, Pilot Terror. And I know you've probably heard about this story because it's all over the news. An off-duty pilot from Alaska Air Group, Incorporated, was charged with 83 counts of attempted murder after he allegedly tried to shut off power to the plane's engines in mid-flight. And the way he tried to do that was by activating the fire extinguishers to the engines. And, of course, when that happens, the engines stop and lawn dart happens. The pilot was riding as a passenger in the cockpit jump seat of an October 22nd flight when he unsuccessfully attempted to disrupt the operation of the engines, according to Alaska Air Group, in a statement that they made on Monday. The flight from Seattle to San Francisco, operated by Alaska's Horizon Air, was safely diverted to Portland, Oregon, where the suspect was taken into custody by law enforcement. Apparently, the Horizon captain and first officer quickly responded. Engine power was not lost, and the crew secured the aircraft without incident. Yeah, they beat the hell out of the guy. The suspect was identified as Joseph Emerson. The incident is being investigated by law enforcement authorities and the FBI. In the addition to attempted murder charges, Emerson was charged with 83 counts of reckless endangerment and one count of endangering an aircraft. The investigation continues. You know, now, it's not bad enough that traveling alone has become a challenge these days, right? And thank God I haven't flown in over three years because I've had literally millions of air miles. And of course, it's annoying. It's sometimes a hassle and people get frisked at the airport while, I don't know, thousands of others are crossing over the southern border untouched. But on top of all of that, you then add a pilot passenger for whatever reason wants to kill everybody on board the aircraft, allegedly. Well, that just makes it easier for me because he is an immediate frontrunner this week for the zombie pile. Each week, we nominate a person, place, and or thing that should be tossed onto the zombie pile to be eaten by the zombies. From last week's nominations, the person, place, and or thing to be tossed onto the zombie pile is... 
none other than hotshot wedding planner Michael Gardner for officiating at a wedding thinking it was a scene out of Tombstone. Look, Michael, it's pretty simple. Leave your Civil War revolver at home and make sure, like we said before, you write plenty of apologetic letters to your grandson from jail. The nominations this week for the honor of diving onto the zombie pile are... Number one, Governor of California, Gavin Slicky Boy Newsom for traveling to Israel on a fake fact-finding mission. Look, Galvin... We all know what you're trying to do. You're running a shadow presidential campaign. Just that simple. And we know who's backing you. Anti-Skeletor. Oh my God, I wish these people would just go away. Number two, little Gavin Paulus for trying to solicit voters for his garbage proposition HH by continuing to lie about, cheat, and steal your hard-earned Tabor funds. Look, Gavin Jr., not even television debates or fluffy commercials are going to save this albatross that's hanging around your neck and your fellow walksers. This is possibly one of the biggest pieces of garbage wrapped in lies that Colorado politics has ever faced. Vote no on this con in November, people, unless you don't want your earned and deserved taper funds anymore. And this guy claims to be a libertarian. Yeah, just another lie there, little Gavin. And number three, off-duty pilot Joseph Emerson for trying to kill 83 passengers while being a passenger on a Horizon Airlines flight. Look, Joe, if you didn't like the service, you should just tell the flight attendant instead of trying to kill everyone on the friggin' plane. Yeah, the only thing Joe will be flying for the foreseeable future is that upper bunk at Gray Bar Air. Yeah, hope he can find a nice co-pilot who doesn't want to kill him. Well, Dozer's Halloween music tells me that it's a wrap for the show this week. But before we bounce, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Abode Real Estate, the Butte Theater, and Animus Wellbeing. I want to thank my guests today, Teller County Commissioner Eric Stone. Thanks for giving us your insight on this garbage called Prop HH. Thanks to Teller County Clerk and Recorder Stephanie Keese for coming on to the Bear Cave Hotline. And also Lieutenant Renee Bunting from the Teller County Sheriff's Office and giving us those important safety tips. Thanks to my producing partner, Michelle Roselle, for bringing us another awesome story time. And our field producer, Trevor Phipps, with the big news. If you have an event coming up or you want to sponsor the show, you can reach us on our Facebook page, This Week in the Bear Cave, or our Instagram page by the same name. You can send your comments and hate mail to thisweekinthebearcave at gmail.com. You can access the show on Spotify, Anchor by Spotify, Podbean, RadioPublic.com, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our celebrity not-so-celebrity guest next week is going to be, hey, it's a twofer. Yep, it's the governors of California and Colorado, Gavin Slicky Boy Newsom and his mini-me, Gavin Paulus. I think they want to tell us about global warming and housing the homeless. Yeah, that's that's what they said. They said uh, there's plenty of rooms in hotels and apartment buildings. All we have to do is get rid of those pesky military veterans. After all, they're used to sleeping outside and under the stars and, yeah, missing a few meals. Not a big deal. We need to house those Venezuelans, those Russians and Chinese and Palestinians. After all, it's going to be too cold to plan those attacks on the U.S. outside. The fat guy from North Korea, Kim Jong-un, was supposed to come onto the Bear Cave hotline, but we are told he was still busy trying to teach the Backstreet Boys how to sing Unpop. Yeah, good luck with that. I think maybe you should just stick to the uh, whole Dennis Rodman thing we were talking about last week. Yeah, that should work out for you there, Kempster. 
Until next week, have a fun and safe Halloween. Be well and thanks for listening. Sweet dreams, Sam and Max. This Week in the Bear Cave is produced by Animus Productions, all rights reserved in perpetuity. 